Father, this morning we come to you. Faithful God. Awesome God, from everlasting to everlasting. You alone are on the throne. You have exalted your word above all the heavens. The word says you have exalted your word above all your name. And this morning, Father, first time this year as we come together to your word, we once again want to lift your word above everything that we are going through. What we feel, what we experience, whatever it is. We just want to lift your word above it all. For you declared heaven and earth will pass away, but not a dot from your word. Speak to us this morning the word that you have for us. For your words are spirit and life. Your word has the power to work in those who believe. Pray to see a faith will arise and each one will allow Christ to grow in them. Speak, Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We first go to the promise for this year. That's if you have remember the promise for last year. Do you remember the promise for last year? Hold fast your crown. I also had said the last one. Prayer and fasting of 2015, that would be the rise and fall of many. 2016, then God gave us a promise to hold fast to your crown. This year, the promise which God has given us is from John chapter 7 and verse 38. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What does this promise mean? God is promising more strength and more power to his people. It's coming year, this year. We need it. Don't get fooled. Things, like I said, scripture proves will only get tougher. But God promises as things get tougher, what he promises is more of his spirit that will never cease to be blessings to others. It's not enough to be blessed. Everybody in the world is, one way or other. We are called to be a blessing. Scripture says, rivers of living water shall flow. And that's the promise God is saying. In the book of Zechariah, God had said, it is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord that this mountain shall be moved. If you were there on Wednesday, we saw that God does nothing ever from the beginning till the end without involving his son, the word of God, Jesus, the living word, and his spirit. If you haven't heard that message, pray you go back and listen. Everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus did when he walked on earth, he did by the Holy Spirit and the Spirit alone. The book of Acts sums up Jesus' life in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 by saying, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit 
and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. That's how you also know that God is with you because God has promised to give us his spirit. And the more we empty, he promises the spirit without measure. This is the promise that God says, if you're hungry, if you are thirsty, he says, come and drink. You will have as much of the spirit you can take. The spirit of God. From the beginning of his life on earth till the very end, everything Jesus did was through the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 2, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. It's interesting that even the risen Savior, now this is not Jesus who walked in the flesh, this is the Jesus who is risen. The risen Savior, even though he's risen and is back to what he is, part of the Trinity, he still gives commandments to the apostles through the Holy Spirit. That he doesn't do, God doesn't do anything outside of his spirit. And that's the promise that we've been given the, the, the worldwide church for 2,000 years that he would give us his spirit. He would pour out his spirit. It is the same spirit that is promised to his disciples. In John chapter 14 and verse 17, scripture says, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. The world cannot receive this, the spirit of God. It cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. God says his children know the Holy Spirit. For he dwells with you and will be in you. He says the Holy Spirit not only dwells with us, but he also will be in us. But remember, we've been studying the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit whom God has given us, who is in us and with us, without whom we cannot do anything. He can be grieved. He can be quenched. He can be insulted. And he can be blasphemed. Four terms the Bible uses. He can be grieved. He can be quenched. He can be insulted. He can be if you blaspheme, when people reach the fourth stage, you can forget it. You're done. You're finished. Okay? When you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, there's no turning back. Because everything it's he who does. He's the one who turns us to repentance. He's the one who saves. He's the one who leads us. He's the one. Everything is done by the Holy Spirit. And actually much of our issues, our problems in our life as believers, it's got nothing to do with what we are facing. It's got to do with having grieved the Holy Spirit. It's got to do with grieving the Holy Spirit. Because what we see now is weakness. In Christians, no consistency, worldliness, no strength to handle problems. Well, when we read the book of Acts or the New Testament, we see a totally different picture. Joy, as the song we sang, um, Brother Peter sang for the offertory. Joy in the midst of persecution, singing in pain and seeing the power of the Holy Spirit being manifested in every situation. So the question is, how do we come back? How do we come back to that experience? 
how do we come back? Because we need to come back. That's the promise. I will give you my spirit. I will give you my spirit. We will use an Old Testament, very familiar one for us as a church. Very familiar one. That's the one the Lord gave me for today. As an illustration, how does a people or how does a person come back to God? How does a person come back and allow the Holy Spirit to start flowing again in their individual lives so that we can overcome? We can overcome the flesh. We can overcome sin. We can overcome this world. We can overcome the devil. And we can sing in the midst of our tribulation. We can sing in the midst of our problems. You see, there was a time in Israel's history where Israel had gone so far away from the living God. It was a time when Ahab was king. Jezebel, his wife, was the queen. A wicked couple. And they had filled the land with idolatry. That is when out of the blue, Elijah will appear before Ahab and declare. In First Kings chapter 17 verse 1, Elijah will declare this. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. In Israel, symbolically, physical reality, but symbolically also in the Old Testament, these two things, dew and rain, signified the Holy Spirit. Dew and rain. And God is speaking through Elijah to Israel saying, there will be no rain, there will be no dew in Israel until the word of God comes forth again. What he is telling Israel is the Holy Spirit will not move over this land, over my people, until I speak again through Elijah. Rain and dew. The blessings of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is represented by many symbols in the Old Testament. As dew, as rain, as oil, as fire. Different symbols, different dew. Now after this incident, Israel is in the grip of a famine for three and a half years. And we'll start picking our narrative from there. Three and a half years of incredible famine. Incredible famine. Because not just there is no rain. There is no dew. Even if you go to the desert at night, early morning, when you wake up, there is still dew. But God has declared over Israel, no rain, no dew. So three and a half years later, we will see in First Kings chapter 18 and verse 1 begins with this statement. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go, present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. Our first issue is not famine. Our first issue is not our weakness. Our first issue is not this lack of strength to handle problems of life. Because famine did not destroy Elijah. He was supernaturally provided through it all by God. Only because of one reason. He had learned to hear from God and obey. Three times you will see it is written. In 17 verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, 
get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Chariot which flows into Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook and have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Next place it is written in 17, 8 to 10. 17, 8 to 10. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Then the portion we read, 18 verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, I will send rain on the earth. Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was severe famine in Elijah. Sorry, in Samaria. God always has a way for his children. But the way is by hearing and obeying. We have to learn to hear from God. And we have to learn to obey when we hear from God. We don't hear because we don't obey. We don't hear from God because we haven't learned to obey man. The first principle in the kingdom is this. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 32. We are witnesses to these things and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. Without the Spirit, you and I can do nothing. Without the Spirit, Jesus did nothing. Everything that He did was through the Spirit. And scripture says He was filled without measure. So how does the narrative of Jesus go in the Bible? In Luke chapter 2 and verse 51, scripture says he went down with them, came to Nazareth and was subject to them. He obeyed his parents. Young kid, 12 years old, the creator of this universe was obedient to his parents. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, scripture talks about his life. The hidden life of Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was his son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. We learn obedience only by the things which we suffer. Because the natural man doesn't like to obey things that are contrary to the flesh. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul will sum up, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now we know why he was filled without measure. Because he had learned obedience and obedience to the uttermost. If you don't learn to obey man, we will never learn to obey God. Because we all want to be islands. You'd speak to me directly. God says, I didn't do that even with my own son. He had to learn to listen to his parents, to the authorities placed over him first before I would speak to him directly. We need to understand our major block in receiving the 
power, unlimited power of the Holy Spirit to go through our personal problems or the problems we face in our workplace, everywhere ministry, is that we have not learned how to obey. And therefore we do not hear. God is not in his kingdom looking for talented people. He's looking for obedient people. The world looks for talented people. God looks for obedient people. Look at what God says. First Corinthians chapter 1, 27 and 28. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. Why? Because the foolish things will obey. They don't question. Why should it be that way? Why can't it be this way? Why should I obey you? Who do you think you are? In Jesus' first miracle on earth, when he went to the wedding at Cana, he didn't even use his disciples. He used only the servants in that house to do his first miracle because he knew the disciples were only three days into walking with him. They may not obey. So he used the servants of the house. He has chosen the base things of the world, the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. The world and the kingdom of God operates on different standards. Think of 2016. How was our obedience? Inward, outward. How was 2016? Inwardly. Outwardly doesn't matter. You can fake everything outwardly. Inwardly, how was 2016? For me, 2016 was the spiritually the best year I can remember. Though outwardly it may not look like that. It was the best year. Inwardly. And I'm looking forward to 2000 being better. Because with God you always know it is better. You see, when I'm just first joined ministry. I was a rookie. A real rookie from the Catholic background. Had no clue what ministry was. Absolutely no background. The first thing my pastor told me was, James, I expect obedience. And your obedience will be tested when I ask you to do things which you don't like. He said, that will define you, where you reach. People won't think obedience being so important. It is very important in the kingdom of God. Absolutely important. One of the reasons Christians actually do not prosper in secular settings is not because of anything else. It's because of lack of obedience. Because for Christians, talents won't work. Our own God will block us. Because he says, I'm not here for your success. I'm here for your obedience. I'm here for your obedience. Because I have eternal plans for you, not temporary. Seven years later into my ministry, he put me on my own with the underground church, with no human oversight, and I said, I will check your obedience even more. Will you be faithful when you don't have to report to anybody? See, believers fail the test of obedience 
and therefore they live real mediocre lives in the kingdom. Elijah's life was characterized by obedience. And each time it was different and it was difficult. Turn eastward. Go to chariot. Hide yourself. Ravens will feed you. Who can believe that? He obeyed. Go to Zarephath. I have commanded a poor widow to feed you. He obeyed. And finally the third time the command comes, arise. Go meet Ahab. The scripture says, he says, Lord, are you serious? No. That's the question. Scripture says, arise and go. Because you have to look at what is happening. Look at 18 and verse 4. For so it was, while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord. What is God telling him? Go meet her husband. She massacred the prophets of the Lord. 18.10 And the Lord your God lives. There is no nation or kingdom where my master, that is Ahab, this Obadiah is saying, has not sent someone to hunt for you. And when they said he is not here, he took an oath from the kingdom or nation that they could not find you. The king has been sending soldiers to every surrounding nation to look out for Elijah while his wife has been killing every remaining prophet. And God comes and says, Arise and go meet Ahab. Can we come to that point of obedience? Our obedience will be tested in 2017. Authentic servants throughout scripture and history has only come through the school of obedience. Do you remember what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 3 to 6? For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, first he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. Of whom? The greater part remained to the present. What did he say? How many saw Jesus after he rose from the dead? How many? 500. Over 500 disciples saw Jesus. Do you know what he told all of them in Luke 24, 49? Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. Yet what does scripture say in Acts chapter 1 and verse 15? And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether the number of names was about a hundred and where did the rest go? They failed in the first instruction the risen Savior gave. Wait in Jerusalem. How many? Over 500. How many were there? 120. Did they receive the Holy Spirit? The rest? Even in the beginning, the division was through obedience. So this year and this first Sunday morning, say along with me, Lord, teach me to obey. Scripture says, all those who obeyed received the Spirit. All those who obeyed received the Spirit. Elijah was a man of obedience. Second thing, in 2017, 
take responsibility for your own life, your own actions. This is how Bible describes Ahab in 1 Kings chapter 16 verse 30. Now Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. It should be written about you and all that. You scored more marks than all those who were in the previous years. This man in terms of evil, yes, he scored more marks than anybody and everybody before him. Yet, listen to him when he meets Elijah. First Kings 18. And it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, Is that you, troubler of Israel? God on one side says, you are the most wicked king Israel so far has produced. You are the reason for the trouble in this land. But what does he call Elijah? Troubler from Israel. Wherever each one is today, Jesus says, take responsibility for your own actions. For your own situation. Nobody else is responsible. Because the call of Jesus is the same to everybody. Listen to Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, 26 to 30. Come to me. All who labor are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Who stopped you? Did Christ stop you? Can anybody else stop you? The call is the same. Come to me, all who labor, heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle, lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. In John chapter 7, 37 and 38, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood, cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He says, I give you rest if you're burdened. I, my burden you can take, it is light. And if you are thirsty, I will give you my spirit without measure. So who is responsible for your own situation? We ourselves. Because we simply did not respond to the call. You do not because we did not respond to his call. If he had gone, there was rest. If he had gone, there was power. Honestly, we blame everybody else. You are responsible for my trouble. You are troubler of Israel. Usually we don't, if we don't blame anybody else, we very spiritually, we blame God. Lord, why is this happening to me? That means you are responsible. But God says, no. I said, come. The reason is, we did not go. So the lesson is, stop blaming others. Because here is a savior who wants to give us rest from our burdens. To replace our burden with his burden which is light. And three, fill us continuously in such a way that not only do we have strength, that we become a blessing to others in 2017. That's God's plan. From the time he called Abraham, he said, I want to bless you and make you a blessing. It is not enough to be blessed. We need, the church is called to be a blessing. That's what happens. So what happens subsequently? We know the story, so we are not getting into the details of it. Ahab and Elijah meet. Elijah says, 
You bring all your prophets and I will meet you on the mountain. Get the people and let us see who is the real God. All the people, the false prophets, Ahab, all gather on Mount Carmel. And in verse 21, we have this encounter. Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, Not a thing. 2017, I am telling you, you will have to make up your mind. You will have to make up your choice. So many in the world are caught. I am just not talking to you alone. I am talking to generally to the world. So many are caught up with two opinions. The world or God. We don't say Baal, we say world. You have to make up your mind. You want to serve the world? God says then go. You want to serve me? He says choose. Do you want to serve your flesh? Or do you want to serve the spirit? Scripture says people said nothing. And so many people think that by being quiet, the situation will go away. It doesn't go away. Silence is no longer an option. The whole world literally is hurtling towards Baal worship. And the famine pronounced by God through Amos is literally here. Amos 8 and verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Ask yourself, 2016, did I hear? In 2016, did I live in the land of famine? That I did not hear the voice of God speaking to me whenever I read my Bible, whenever I came to church, or whenever I was listening to a message. Was he... Was I in the land of plenty or was I caught in famine? Because that is a famine problem. He said it is not about bread. It is not about water. It's not about material things, but the most dangerous things, the famine of hearing the word of God. And the cry of God in the last days is all those who have ears, let them hear what the Holy Spirit says. Scripture says the day and the hour you cannot know, Jesus says. But by the time Paul writes, he says, no, we are children of light. We will never be caught on that day by chance. We will know. If you know how to hear from the Spirit, you will know when that day is approaching. That's why being silent is no longer an option. Remember the strongest words given to the seven churches in the book of Revelation is reserved for the church at Laodicea. They were uncommitted and lukewarm that it was so nauseating for God, he wanted to spit them out. The reason Laodicea was gung-ho about the world. To say nothing to God is to say no to God. Silence is not an option. It's not an option. In 2017, when you hear God speak from the pulpit or in your personal study, if you study, you cannot opt to be silent. God is God, follow God. If Baal is the world is God, then follow the world. God doesn't give you a third option. In verse 22, 
Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophet are 450 men. In 2017, if you really want the power of God, you may have to be willing to stand alone. He said, I alone. You may have to stand alone in your homes. You may have to stand alone in your workplaces. You may have to stand alone in your classrooms. He says, I alone. Enoch walked alone. Noah stood alone. Joseph served God in Egypt alone. Daniel stood up for God in Babylon alone. Elijah stood for Yahweh on Mount Carmel alone. John the Baptist came out of the wilderness alone. And Jesus also stepped outside alone. And the hour and the day has come for everyone to stand with this crowd of the world or to stand alone. Options are getting fewer and fewer. God is looking for people who will stand alone. Everywhere. In schools, in colleges, offices, everywhere. Yes, you will be hunted down. The Ahabs of this world will hunt you down. The Jezebels of this world will try to massacre you with words, scorn you. But God says, will you stand alone? The interesting part of all this is there is going to be a competition between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. That our God is so loving and kind that is willing to enter into a competition with the prophets of Baal to save his people. You know how he humbles himself. Can you imagine the God of the living God entering into a competition with the prophets of Baal so that people will believe? Remember this. When you stand with God, you are never alone. The terms are set in verse 24. Then you can call on the name of your God. I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. The terms are set. What is it? The God who answers by fire. But we are confused. We are confused here. But you want rain, right? Didn't God tell Elijah, go stand before Ahab because I will send rain. But they have changed the terms. He said, it's not rain. It's the God who answers by fire. Why? Because if in John 7, 38, God says, rivers of living water will flow. In Luke 3, 16, God says, first, John answered saying to all, Indeed I baptize you with water, but the one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In God's order, water will come only after fire. The Holy Spirit will flow through us only after he has cleansed us. We want the river to flow. God says no, first I will come and I will cleanse you. Before the river of God can flow through any human vessel, he or she needs to be cleansed by the fire of God. 
Before Isaac can speak a word in the name of God, his tongue needs to be cleansed by fire. Before the group of 120 can step forward to be filled with the Holy Spirit, they first need to see the tongues of fire descend upon them. Every one of them. Even Mary, the mother of Jesus, needed tongues of fire upon her before they could speak. Fire comes before rain. Question is, are we prepared for it in 2017? A continuous cleansing and a continuous outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Both are there in the Bible. In Malachi chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, scripture says, Who can endure the day of his coming? And the Holy Spirit comes. Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. He says he comes as the refiner's fire. First comes the Holy Spirit as fire. In Ephesians 5.18, scripture will say, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be continuously be refined by the Holy Spirit. Be continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit as rain. We want power to overcome. But God speaks to us through both Elijah and John. That's why Elijah is important because Elijah is the one who brings restoration on Mount Carmel. When Jesus came the first time, it was John in the spirit of Elijah who brought and made the way, prepared the way for Jesus. And scripture says again, before the second coming of Jesus, the same spirit of Elijah will prepare the hearts of his people so that he can come a second time. That's why it is important that we don't take this message lightly. We don't take this, we take this message lightly at our own peril. Whether we are willing to accept the terms of God first, fire Lord, yes, so that your river can flow. So from morning till evening, the prophets of Baal jumped and screamed, nothing happened. Then they cut themselves, they pierced themselves, nothing happened. Finally, Elijah stepped forward. All those who jumped and screamed with the world. Those who filled the stadiums, the clubs, the bars and screamed for your favorite idol. You also cut, you pierced your nose, your navel, your ears, your eyebrows, even your tongue to be cool with the Baal crowd. God says, and now how do you feel today? Tired? Worn out? Depressed? Last night, the hangama that was going on. Where are they all? Hangover? Christians are involved. First in this forefront are Christians. Don't blame the others. We taught them all this. They didn't know these things. We taught them. Good and evil comes from Israel and from the Christian world. Don't blame the others. Like the prophets of Baal, we liked all this. But there was no response. And then in verse 30, scripture says, 
Elijah said to all the people, from morning till evening, God gave time to the prophets of Baal. Do your jadu. See if anything will happen. Evening, Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. That's where it begins. Come near. Come near to me. And all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. They came to him and repaired the altar. I believe there were two altars. I believe on Mount Carmel there was the altar of God that had broken down. And there was the altar of Baal which was good. And people used to come there every day and have their rituals and their debauchery. But the altar of God because of disuse had broken down. It was broken down. How is it as your altar? Your heart look today. 2016, did the altar of the world, was it well maintained and well watered? Careful attention was given. And time and money was spent on it. How much we spend time to be presentable to the world. How much attention did we pay to be presentable before God? Which altar did we work on in the year that is past? Do you remember what God told through Haggai in Haggai 1 verse 5? Now therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, consider your ways. He says, consider your ways. What does he say? Further from there, verse 6 onwards. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. He who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. He says, look at me. Are you content? Honestly, are you content? Students, you have studied. The mark seems to be just dropping away. You bought. You shopped. You got all the latest stuff. Are you content? Are you happy? This does not apply to the world. This only applies to God's people. God's people, it doesn't matter how much shopping they do, they will never be content because God has made us that way. You just waste your money. You can see movie after movie. It will never give you any joy. Only make you more miserable. Are you content? Consider your ways. Verse 8 and 9. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. When you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. He said, did you see the altar of Baal? Wow. Wonderful. Did you see the altar of Yahweh in ruins? Let's be honest. When it comes to spending time with God in word and in prayer, we set times. Ten minutes. Very strict with it. When it comes to spending time in the world, we are liberal. Then we expect God to intervene in our lives. He said, you know what? 
my house. I told you you are my temple. I told you you are my house. Did you see my house is lying in ruins while every one of you is building your house in this world? That's why the first call before the Holy Spirit can fall that day has rain. He says, come near. Come near. Come near. Wonderful altar is there. They did everything. Cut the wood, cut the bull, pierced themselves, sacrificed everything. No response. Now come, let us rebuild the altar of God. That's where it starts. Come near. In verse 30 to 32 of that chapter, then with stones, no, can we go from 30 onwards, sorry? 30, 31, 32. He says, come near. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. And verse 30, then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Two things are happening. First he repairs the old altar. First he repairs the broken down altar. First repair 2016. Before you do anything in 2017. Don't leave it like that. Because we don't serve a God who walks over ruins. He does not. There is still anything to be repaired in 2016. Put it right. Repair that. Then build a new altar. A new altar. For this year. Let it include everybody. Let it include everybody. Elijah representing. There are two kings over there literally standing. One is Elijah. The other is Ahab. Can God do anything with the man who wears the crown? Nothing. Nothing. He's the physical authority. He's got chariots under command, horsemen under command, armies under command. He cannot bring neither dew nor rain. Instead, God has to use this man, this Tishbite. It's a Tishbite that is being used. A foolish thing. A weak thing in the eyes of the world. A man of no reputation. You don't know even his beginning or his end. God says, if I want to bring restoration to that nation, that's the man I will use. Listen to him. And the first thing he does is repair the old altar. Then, symbolizing the whole of the nation, he brings 12 stones. Some of you fathers need to do that. Repair the altar that involves all your family members. That's what Job did. Job was a righteous man. Until God gave permission to Satan, Satan could not touch his family. Scripture says he had seven sons and three daughters. Right? Am I right? And they used to drink and feast till morning. The scripture says, Job always used to offer sacrifices on their behalf in case by mistake they had sinned against God. Though the children were not true worshippers, the father was forever building the altar and seeing that he interceded for the family. And Elijah is doing that for the nation. Come near. And he builds. And verse 32. He digs a deep trench. Scripture says a deep trench. 
He made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two seers of water. Why should, why should you build, have a trench? The question is, how deep is our repentance? How deep is our commitment? Can God really, really trust you? Can really God depend upon you? Can he? Eight years ago, eight and a half years ago, that young man who's your next pastor, who's your current pastor too, I hardly knew him. Knocked at my door, I opened him, he was standing over. I said, yes, Vijay. The only thing he told me is that, Pastor, I'm here to say one thing. I come under your authority. Whatever you ask me to do in the church, I am there. That's where the journey began. That's simple. It was not preaching or anything. Same thing with Eric. After a couple of years of tough discipline, same thing. We think we need hard work and study and all those things. No. Can God really, really trust us? Are we committed? How deep is our repentance? How deep is our commitment? One eye is always on the world. One eye is on the world. One eye is always there. God says, can I really trust you? And verse 33 will say, he cut it all and put it all in order. Put the order, wood in order, the bull, everything in order. 2017, please try to bring order in your lives. Please. So many people, lives are disordered. And the problem with disorder is this. Whether you're young or old, you cannot be counted on because there is no two days in your life which is the same. Forget God. God knows whichever motions you're taking, but man cannot trust you. You will wake up one day at this time, tomorrow another time, Wednesday another time, Thursday you're sitting up through the night, Friday you're out, Saturday, how can anybody count on you? There's no order. God says, I am a God of order. Bring order, young people. Bring order into your lives. Because the rain that came on, the anointing that came on Elijah's time, the anointing that came on the day of Pentecost is nothing compared to what God has promised in the last days. He says, the former and the latter rain together to a set of people who are ready, cleansed, prepared, who have done a deep work in their life. I will fill them without measure. He says, the kind of people the world has never known, ever. But we are not interested, we are interested in the world. But God says, I will have my people who are interested in me, who are hunger and thirst after me. I'm not raising followers in this church, I'm raising disciples. And disciples are always few. They are not many. God is looking for disciples. And then, he said, fill four water pots. Why four? Symbolic. From all four corners. Bring it. The earth is divided into four corners. From all your heart, your consecration, God demands. Not partial. 
Four. Pour it on the wood. Three times. He said pour. Verse 34. He Do it a second time. That it is a second time. He said do it a third time. That it is a third time. Three times. That's a triune God. Until you are sure of the will of God. Let not your consecration stop. Three times Jesus asked the Lord, Father, take this cup away. Three times Paul asked. They were absolutely sure of the will of God. Absolutely. This is the strange part. Those who have been here for years understand it. The competition is with fire. What is being poured is water. Because we try to make things easy for God. God says you don't have to. That's why some of your breakthroughs only come on December 31st. It's not because God cannot do it on December 1st or 15th. But he says, I want to show it to you. Let it be as difficult as it is and I will come through. That's what he did always. Took Israel through the long about route and then brought them. They are stuck with the mountains on one side, the Red Sea on the other side, Pharaoh's army on the third side. They have nowhere to go. And then God said, what will you do? If it had been any other place, they would have run away. God said, you can't run. You're stuck. Now you will see my power. Now I will see what nobody has ever done. You will see, I will split the Red Sea open. They wanted fire. God said, you pour water. That's not all. You also need to realize why, I don't know the scene on Mount Carmel. Thing you need to realize, three and a half years, there is no rain. The most precious commodity everybody has is water. There is no water in the land. When those people came, I don't know what they carried little water with. If he had asked for gold, they would have given freely. Silver also freely. Animals also freely. But what is most precious is water. You want the fire of God to fall on your lives? You will have to give what you consider most precious in your life. Could be your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your child, your career, whatever it is. You don't put that on the altar. There is no fire going to come. But what you put on it, if it comes through the fire like I said, nothing can touch it later. People think all this just automatically happens. God says, no. When my spirit falls like that, I would have received glory. I would have received glory. Do you want to? Ask Abel, do you want to put Madhuri on the altar? He will skip a heartbeat. You will only if you desire God more than anything else. Otherwise, these things don't happen. Then finally in verse 36. 
It came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant that I have done all these things at your word. Everything. We do a lot of things. The question is, who told you to do all these things? Do we run left and right and center for power and provision for the things which we have tried to do in the name of God because God never told us to do these things. Elijah says, everything I have done, I have done according to your word. That is why I said, before doing, our major issue is we have not learned how to listen. This year, 2017, most of you, if not all, Please make a decision to talk less and listen more. Walk away from these groups who only sit and not the word, everything else. Walk away. Don't waste time. Redeem the time, scripture says. Because the more you talk, the less you learn to listen. That's the problem. We have to learn to listen first. Before we can speak. Before he spoke one word. Elijah had learned to listen. When Elijah appears the first time in First Kings 17, we don't know how old this man is. We don't know whose, whose child he is. We don't know where he is from other than the fact he is from Tishba. We don't know anything about him. His entire life is held as a mystery. The first thing he is, he steps forward and he says, I, the servant of the living God before whom I stand. What does it mean? When he speaks the first time, he has an entire life that is hidden of listening. Before he speaks one word. One word. He has been listening. We haven't listened and we speak a lot. People who listen will hear. And then they'll be able to stand and say, God, 2017 doesn't scare me because I'm not going to do anything which you haven't told me. And if you tell me something to do, I know your provision, your power will follow. I don't have to struggle because I know something about you. Whatever you start, you finish. Fundamental lessons Learn early as children. Learn to hear from God and obey. Learn to hear from God and obey. You will not struggle like the world struggles, like Christians struggle. Because the power of His Holy Spirit who did everything in creation is available to those who hear and obey. According to your word, according to your scripture, According to your word. That's exactly what Jesus says in John chapter 7 verse 38. Those who believe in me as the scripture has said. Not just the way you think. Somebody comes and says you receive the Holy Spirit. You won't receive. You have to believe according to the scriptures. Did you get cleansed first? Did you get sanctified first? Did you put everything right with man and God? Did you empty yourself so that he can come and fill you according to the scriptures? You need to believe. The portion we read from Corinthians, Paul is talking according to the scriptures, according to the scriptures, according to the scriptures. Why? God only backs up his word. 
He doesn't back up man's word. Elijah knows I can do all the kind of things. God doesn't have to do one thing. But if I do something over here, which is according to God's word spoken to me, he will back it up. He will back it up. Our issue is that we do a lot of things and say, Lord, come and prove yourself. God says, no, I am not. Prove yourself. Prove yourself. This is a real person. This is a living God we are serving. He is not angry with us. But he says, know who is God and who is not. Know who is God and who is not. God is not here to serve us. We will exist to serve him. According to scriptures, we cannot believe what we feel like. The Holy Spirit only sanctions scriptures, the word. That is why this, he says, meditate upon it day and night. This. 2017, set apart. Lord, help me to speak less and listen to your word more. Let me not set limits on you. Yes, students need to study, work hard. But, you can cut out time from a lot of other things. A lot of other things. And those who are in ministry, be very clear when we do stuff. In verse 37, Elijah will say, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord, God, that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Lord, I am not putting up a show over here. So people will say, Wow, Elijah, great man of God. No. The only reason behind my ministry is their hearts are turned back to you. That's the reason I am here. Not to put my and my wife's posters on the road tomorrow. No. That's not the reason. The reason is this Lord. Turn the hearts of your people back to you again. It's about you. It's not about our church. It's not about our individual ministry. It's not about any of these things. It's not about it. It's about you. That people have to come back. People have to turn back. Is that what drives you? Turn back. If that is it, the Holy Spirit is even here today. If you are willing to turn back. And when he falls, scripture records that he burns up everything. He burns up the wood, the stones, the soil, everything. What does it mean? He will consume the stony heart. He will consume the flesh, which is dust. He will consume it all. Yet, oh Lord, when will I be delivered? He said, my spirit is there to deliver you. There to deliver you. You cannot do this on your own. You cannot. In Hebrews 12, verse 28 and 29, scripture says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, where is the kingdom now? Where is it? Inside. Do you know that it is inside? Is that kingdom shaken? When things happen, is that kingdom shaken? If you are shaken, that means the kingdom is very small. Because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. 
Therefore, we have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a He'll consume it all. You won't be shaken. That's why the offertory song, which is interesting. They were not shaken, beaten, broken, legs in stokes, hands in chains. They were not shaken. Why? Inside is full of power. Filled with power. This is a living God. This is a real God we are serving. 2017, he is giving us that promise. Young or old. Young or old. God is saying, my God is a consuming fire. He is not coming to destroy us. That's the first thing he shows Moses. The first thing Moses sees is a bush on fire. But it is not consumed. The bush is not consumed. He says, when the Holy Spirit falls upon you, all of flesh will be consumed. But you won't be consumed. And then from the bush, God speaks. He says, when the fire falls upon you, through you, I will speak. People will believe that your voice is authentic. That you are consistent. Because the Holy Spirit makes you consistent. Otherwise, we will build these altars of stone and wood and soil. Nothing falls, but it is the altar of Baal. It is the altar of Baal. This first Sunday morning, God is asking for men and women. What Peter preached on the day of Pentecost through Joel's, quoting Joel, is actually only part of it. The rest is coming. And it is falling. Everywhere, whether it's a man or a woman or a child willing and consecrated. But it will be defined not now. It will be defined after church. Which way your heart goes. Even before your feet reach a particular place, your heart goes ahead. And God sees your heart. It does. Your feet doesn't reach a place fast. Your heart does. The feet only obeys the heart. That's the sad part. But it's a wonderful day. First Sunday, 1st of January 2017. God says, if you believe according to the scriptures, He says, rivers of living water will flow. Take 2017 seriously. Very, very seriously. Others, others who hear on the net will take it seriously. And they will go ahead. They will move ahead. And they will be mightily used of God. And we don't want to be a television audience. You know, captive audience, we don't want to be that. It's like the pastor who used to go once a week, a train used to pass through his town. That week, he will go and sit at the station. Every Monday the train passes. Every Monday he will go sit at the station until the train comes and goes. One day the station master asked, aren't you the pastor of the church? He said, yes. Why do you come to this station to see this train? He says, because this is the only thing in the town that moves without me pushing it. (laughs) Can you be moved without being pushed? Can you be moved without being pushed?
God says, come. We go. God says, drink. We drink. God says, be filled. Be sanctified. Be set free. But if you love the world, it will be like 2016. We'll not change the word. Because the gospel, the commission is make disciples of nations, not followers. Not followers. This world was turned upside down by disciples, not followers. Followers crucified him. The disciples waited and received the power. So this morning come. It's a time we surrender. It's a time we consecrate ourselves. Take it seriously. Take it seriously. On Mount Carmel, the fire fell. Your heart can can be Mount Carmel today. You don't even have to wait for tonight or tomorrow. You can tell. It's not a visible fire like that fell that day. But it is a fire that can fall. Where you can say, Lord, let your fire fall. I love these things. I love these things. Let your fire fall. Let it fall. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Father, this morning we come to you. The first Sunday, the first day of this new year. Sanctify us, O Lord. By your word. By your blood. By your spirit. As your people partake of the emblems of your body and your blood that was shed for us on the cross. Let your healing... Let your deliverance, let your power be released into each life. That 2017 will be a year of victory. 2017 would be the best each one has experienced in Christ. As you sanctify us, we will enjoy you even more this year, O God. Cleanse our eyes that we see as you see our ears as we hear as you hear so that we can speak as you spoke touch your people to our today even as they partake of this for in Jesus name we pray Amen Amen that tore my heart to fall and raise my fears really how precious that grace of me are I first believe Yeah.
Israel on Mount Carmel. Don't be silent this year. Make your choice. Do not stand between two opinions. Because one man stood there alone, firm, the truth of God's word. The fire of God fell. When people saw the fire of God, they fell on their faces and they cried out, Yahweh is God. There are many who will only acknowledge God is God when something spectacular happens. Elijah did not need a fire to fall for him to acknowledge Yahweh is God. Elijah had walked with God all those years. When that fire falls in your lives, some point today or this year, don't stop there. Don't stop there. Because you will go back to the altar of Baal. You will go back to the world which God saved you from. You will go back to the old thought patterns of blaming others. You will go back to the deception of the enemy where we become again weak and powerless. Therefore, as soon as the fire fell and Elijah saw the consecration of the people, there is something he tells the people to do. In 18 and verse 40, he says, verse 40, Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. Deal with an iron hand. Everything in your life that takes you back to the world. Don't take this lightly this year. Because God also has said, it's an enormous, magnanimous God. But he also said, my spirit, again remember he said, my spirit will not contend with man forever. When the Corinthian church got a letter from Paul discussing an issue, a sinful issue in their midst, the way they responded to it, Paul will write, in his second letter, in Second Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 11, he says, We observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourself. What indignation. What fear. 
what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication, in all things you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. One letter. Because the church understood apostolic authority. One letter. Wow, Paul is upset with us. The whole church went to a time of soul searching and cleansing themselves. That's how radical they were. In the book of Acts, you will see in Acts chapter 19, verse 16 to 20. Then in the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus and fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. See what they did. Many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also many those who had practiced magic brought their books together, burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. It didn't matter what the price was. When Christ came, and the Holy Spirit moved, the church in Ephesus, they brought everything. It doesn't matter how valuable it was. They knew this would be a stumbling block in continuing to walk with Christ. I don't know what it is. Whatever it is hidden, the hidden things, young or old, bring it out, burn it. It doesn't matter how much you paid for it. Whether it is a book or a hidden site on your computer or a CD or a dress. You want to finish 2017 well doesn't matter how much you paid for it. If you know it will take you down get rid of it today. Get rid of it today. Young men get rid of it today. Young girls get rid of it today. When you go to the market the butchers the meat market. If you go to the meat market you see the butchers hanging the sheep Nice, clean, washed. They will keep on sprinkling. The only purpose is that you buy it, to eat it. You young girls don't get fooled. You don't get fooled. They devise fashions today so that you would be just meat in the marketplace. You go to prisons in U.S., when a new girl comes in, the very word they use is, that's fresh meat. The clothing you wear in church should be what you wear tomorrow. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Because He lives in you. Young man, if you got something hidden, get rid of it today. Don't wait till tomorrow. The book of Joel, chapter 3, verse 14, scripture says, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near. 
in the valley of decision. They are still in the valley. Still haven't made up their mind. But the day of the Lord is close by. Multitudes. Multitudes. That's why Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour. Multitudes. Okay, I will commit myself next week. I'll commit myself next year. Weeks have gone, days have gone, years have passed by. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. God says, no. No. The day of the Lord is near. The day of the Lord is nearer and nearer and nearer. It's getting every second, every hour. It's getting nearer and nearer and nearer. That's why after worship, Elijah will arise and tell the people, destroy everything that seduced you from the living God and took you to the world. Destroy it. You are Christians. You are children of the living God. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Somebody should not be attracted to you because he or she sees the shape of your body. No. It's a meek and a beautiful spirit that is beautiful in the sight of God. You don't have to. If you believe God has got a man for you. God has got a woman for you. You don't have to do anything. Isaac didn't have to do one thing. Rebecca was brought to his doorsteps by the spirit of God himself. And she was beautiful. And she was pure. That's why you believe. You don't have to do, you don't have to pluck your eyebrows, you don't have to put eyeshadow, you don't have to paint your nails blue and you don't have to do any of those things. You do it, you will get a man according to your heart, not according to God's heart. You don't have to. Trust God. He will bring a man who will cherish you, who will honor you because he loves God. Loves God. Some of you, even if God were to dangle the man or the woman he has picked for you under your nose, you won't recognize because your eyes are clouded by the world. That's the truth. Wonderful men of God, wonderful women have remained unmarried because they did not look good. But their hearts are gold. Church is a place where the world is not exalted. It is condemned. And Christ is exalted. Christ. Let him give us his eyes this year, his ears this year. And he will give you men and women after his own heart will bring peace into your lives, peace into the homes which you will build. Don't build your lives fashioned after the world. Don't. That's what he does. Even after that, there is a division in leadership in verse 42. You will see in 1842. So Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went to the top of Carmel. Two types of leadership. Both are leaders. One is the king. The other is the prophet. One took the people away from God. The other brought the people back to God. And he said, you go eat and drink. Which will you follow? One went to eat and drink. Both went up but went up for pleasure. The other went up to pray and continue in the presence of God. Which will you follow? Which leader will you follow? A 
Ask yourself this year, which leader will you follow? The ones who takes you to eating and drinking and movies and plays? Or you will follow those who knows they are shut down in the presence of God until his hands comes upon you. Which will you follow? Choose this year. Their ends are also different. These two will end differently because of the choices they made on the mountain when the fire of God came. They made two different choices. They will end differently. You know how this ends? The next scripture. How this man ends? So the king died and was brought to Samaria and they buried the king in Samaria. And you know what? His blood? Dogs licked. Who licked? The dogs. The next verse? Is it the next verse? They were washing the chariot anyway. It doesn't matter. The dogs licked. While 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 11 Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. The man who had lived under the fire of God, brought the fire of God, was separated by the fire of God and taken by the fire of God. That's how you and I are called to live. One who ate and drank and lived in the flesh, his remains were given to the dogs. God says, no, not this year. Not this year. The parallel is there in the new covenant. Acts chapter 1, the first two deaths mentioned in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 18. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his entrails. Who is this? Judas. Because he walked with Jesus, but he loved the world. How is his end? He hung his stomach open and all his intestines on the ground. Second person mentioned dying. Next verse. And they stoned Stephen and as he was calling on God saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep and woke up on the other side. First two deaths in the New Testament. You can choose your exit too. Ahab chose his exit. Elijah chose his exit. Judas chose his exit. Stephen chose his exit. But the crucial moment in their life, one climbed to eat. The other one climbed to pray. Those of you who will be called to ministry and who are in the ministry, you will see Elijah. Elijah. In verse 42, 18 and verse 42. He put his face between his knees. Why? 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 To those who are in ministry and who will be called to ministry, keep your head down where you are not distracted by the world. God has called you for a purpose. Don't get distracted. You are in ministry, stay focused. There's no time. We are called to save and deliver people from the world. He kept his face on the ground. He sent his servant 
who had walked with him but never learned anything from him do you see do you see seven times he came back and said i see nothing and then finally he said i see a cloud like a hand what the servant saw that day is prophetic in our times the hand of god is rising a fivefold ministry will again rise filled with the holy spirit the former and the latter rain together which will bring restoration to god's church one more time one more time one narrow slice of time has been given to the church before the day of the lord comes one more one more ahab comes elijah comes and tells ahab get into your chariot and flee because i hear the sound of thunder the sound of rain it will blow you off that whole thing chapter finishes for us with an insight how the kingdom of god works in verse 46 scripture says verse 46 scripture says eighteen 1846 then the hand of the lord came upon elijah and he girded up his loins and he ran ahead of ahab to the entrance of jezreel Ahab is the most powerful man on earth in that land. He's got the best chariot, the best horses drawing his chariot, but God is telling you, you allow my spirit to come upon you. You walk with my spirit, you will run faster than the best in your class. The best in your university, the best in your office because no power of the flesh can match the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Cannot. It's impossible. it is impossible god doesn't give us his spirit so that we fail no he gives us his spirit so we overcome he's a father who desires his children to overcome and that's the final picture we have the the chariot of ahab going full speed and elijah running faster than the chariot and there to some young men sitting here and who will be hearing me over the net a little later a few weeks later elijah will be on mount horeb with god god will tell him one thing go down the way you came on the way you will meet elisha the son of shaphat some of you are elishas some of you who will hear me are elishas you're rejoicing in the rain you're looking at that dreams wow the earth is wet I am going to make my career come true my dream come true at that moment point when you think the calling will come to your life you will make to make your choice you want to go ahead with the blessing of god in this world or the mantle of elijah will come upon you you will choose you will choose this year prophetically i am telling you some will choose this year one or the other because there is a separation that is taking place it is taking place and it will take place this year around the world god is raising up his people young ones young ones is raising up till be at the time the best time of your life the rains have come the earth is wet 12 yoke of oxen you're looking at everything coming to pass your wildest dreams coming true and then will come the call of god upon your life 
And he says, which will you choose? Which will you choose? It will come to many. Come to many. God is not a respecter of persons. He's not. He's not. So this morning, as we sing, we shall sing. First thing God says is come near. If you want to come near to God, make a choice. Come near, not to me. Come near to God. You can step forward and come. Come to the front. If you want to come near to God, you want to repair the broken down altars and build a new one, you can come near. It doesn't matter even if it takes you 52 weeks to keep coming, keep coming to God. Because He has promised this one, anyone who comes to me, I will by no way cast him away. Salvation belongs to our God Who sits upon this throne And until the do not get discouraged. Scripture says all things are possible to him or her who believes. Jesus said he who believes according to the scriptures. And the scripture says come near. Put right the altar. Dig this deep trench. Put your life back in order. We can do only these things. Even Elijah can only do these things. Elijah cannot bring fire. If fire comes, it has to be a supernatural act of God. No man of God can bring the Holy Spirit. When it happens, the Holy Spirit comes because He saw your heart. He saw the contrition. He saw the desire for order. He saw your deep repentance. And the Spirit comes. And if you continue to walk in that pattern, I pray and I believe each one can be filled more and more and more. And Jesus said, greater things than these you will do. You will do. You will do. Father, this morning I bring your people. I come to your people. Your children, young and old, they have not come to me. They have come to you. I pray, Lord, they will put away all the failures, the heartaches of 2016. They will confess. They will put away. Let your fire fall. 
and consume it. Let it go. Every dream that is not from you. Every desire that is not from you. Every urge that is not from you. Let it go. Let the fire fall and consume it, Lord. come forward will keep anything back from this living God who did not keep his own son or his spirit from us. Let the fire cleanse. Let the fire sanctify. Let the fire purify and prepare for the Holy Spirit to flow into every life Lord. It will flow, it will fill and it will overflow. That wherever they go Your word says the river brings life. When they open their mouths, it will be words of life. Life. I speak life. Life. For you said I have come to give you life. Life in abundance. To the youngest, to the oldest. To even the baby in the womb. I speak life. Let your spirit flow, Lord. Unhindered. Every place in our life where we grieved you, Spirit of God, we ask for mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Have we quenched you? We ask for mercy. Mercy, mercy. Come again and flow again, oh Lord. So many orphans, so many single mothers, so many. Let them go with you in them today. Let the homes be lit because you are there with them. Let them stand alone in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let there be peace. Let there be joy. Even as your righteousness is being declared in their lives. I speak peace. I speak healing. I speak deliverance. I command the spirit of infirmity to leave in Jesus name. (coughs) Every spirit of infirmity will leave. The body of Christ. It is the body of Christ. You will leave in Jesus name. Where they have sinned. You have forgiven. The blood has cleansed. And there is healing by his stripes. Receive your healing in Jesus name. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Be healed. And be made whole. Christ be exalted in every life. Let Christ be lifted up, O God. Let Christ be glorified, O God. When we lift you up, you will draw men towards you. It's not about us. It's not even about our church. It's about you. And you alone, O God. Faithful God. Awesome God. We just worship you. Worship you. Worship you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, thank you. As your children go into a new year, may the presence of God be with them and the blessings of God pursue them and overtake them. 
all the days of their life that they will not be able to contain it it has to overflow from them blessed to be a blessing oh lord your people wherever thank you father be your people we will lift up holy hands and we will bless your holy name we bless your holy name we bless your holy name thank you thank you father in jesus name we pray amen the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of the father and the fellowship of the holy spirit rest and abide with each one of us amen Have a wonderful year. Good fellowship with one another.